Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Now, nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter of a tank of gas if you're lucky. You know what it will get you, though? For just $20 a month, you can get unlimited talk and text and plenty of 5G data from my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Make the switch today, and if you do it today, you save an additional 50% off your first month. They use the same 5G network, same cell towers as the big carriers, and most families saving close to $1,000 a month. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, that's Sean, S-E-A-N. Make the switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. Are you being influenced? Well, if you watched the blockbuster film in the last decade, well, then there's a chance it has been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. Now, in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, well, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster. I stay asleep longer. And now you can, too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity. And Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off, and that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. All right, glad you're with us as we come to you. We are in the swamp, we're in the sewer, we're in Washington, D.C. Many thanks to our friends here at Hillsdale College for letting us uh, take over their studios today and and come in here. All right, so we just had the vote on the motion to proceed, and this is more procedural than anything else, but you did have two Republicans vote against it, and the vote was, what, Murkowski and Collins against it, that does not bode very well for where this thing ultimately is going to end up. But I can tell you, and this is on the health care bill. I mean, this this is beyond ridiculous that this is the point where we are. This is this is what your Republican Party begged for. This is what they asked for. This is what they said they wanted. This is the opportunity that you gave them beginning what, however many years ago, this is, you know, going back to 2010, 
this is what they've been asking for. This is what they wanted. You know, 2010, give us the House, and what will we do? We'll, we'll repeal and replace Obamacare. 2014, we'll repeal and replace Obamacare if you give us the Senate. Give us the House, the Senate, and the... Well, now we want 60 votes, and then we'll be able to get it really done. And then even then, I don't think they would be able to get it done based on the fact that we've learned a lot about the Republican Party in recent days and recent weeks. Now, my insider sources, I've been checking in with different Senate people all day, every day about what's been going on there today and the motion to proceed. By the way, the president is expected to speak momentarily. When he does, we'll, we'll try to go to it here. And I don't have a television set like I do in my usual studio. So, uh, Linda, I'm going to count on you. Are you, uh, are you holding down the fort back in New York while I'm here? I'm trying my best, boss. Okay, so she's texting me like a maniac all day. Uh, about everything that I've got to do that I probably forgot to do that she has no faith that I'm going to do because she's not there to babysit me. That's not true. That's not true. Just like yesterday, on a Monday, you started in on me early in the day, but that's a side note. But it's good. It gets you angry. gives you a better monologue. Okay. Well, I'm not that angry today. Well, no, I am angry. I'm angry. You know why I'm angry? I'm angry because Democrats, the deep state, the Democratic Party, the media, weak Republicans, you know, never Trumpers, they want the president to fail. They all, for different reasons, have their agenda to to stop a legitimately elected president from getting his job done. And they all have their own selfish agendas that they're advancing. It's really pathetic. So I've been spending time with my sources in Washington, D.C., and the hope among the Senate leadership is pretty basic and simple. Well, let's go to Senator McCain, who's, by the way, he's back in Washington today. We wish him the best, too. I mean, he had a very bad diagnosis, amazing recovery in a short period of time. Let's listen to Senator McCain for a second. A bit of ceremonial bore, and it is usually relegated to the more junior members of the majority. But I stand here today looking a little worse for wear, I'm sure. I have a refreshed appreciation for the protocols and customs of this body and for the other 99 privileged souls who have been elected to this Senate. I've been a member of the United States Senate for 30 years. I had another long, if not as long, career before I arrived here, another profession that was profoundly rewarding, and in which I had experiences and friendships that I revere. But make no mistake, my service here is the most important job I've had in my life. And I'm so grateful, so grateful to the people of Arizona for the privilege, for the honor of serving here and the opportunities it gives me to play a small role in the history of the country that I love. I've known and admired men and women in the Senate who played much more than a small role in our history, true statesmen, giants of American politics. They come from both parties and from various backgrounds, their ambitions, were frequently in conflict, they held different views on the issues of the day, and they often had very serious disagreements about how best to serve the national interest. But they knew that however sharp and heartfelt their disputes, however keen their ambitions, they had an obligation to work collaboratively to ensure the Senate discharged its constitutional responsibilities effectively. Our responsibilities are important, vitally important to the continued success of our republic. And our arcane rules and customs are deliberately intended to require 
broad cooperation to function well at all. The most revered members of this institution accepted the necessity of compromise in order to make incremental progress on solving America's problems and defend her from her adversaries. That principled mindset and the service of our predecessors who possessed it come to mind when I hear the Senate referred to as the world's greatest deliberative body. I'm not sure we can claim that distinction with a straight face today. I'm sure it wasn't always deserved in previous eras either, but I'm sure these are, there have been, ta been times when it was, and I was privileged to witness some of those occasions. Our deliberations today, not just our debates, but the exercise of all of our responsibilities, authorizing government policies, appropriating the funds to implement them, ex exercising our advice and consent role, are often lively and interesting. They can be as sincere and principled, but they are more partisan, more tribal, more of the time than at any time that I can remember. Our deliberations can still be important and useful, but I think we'd all agree they haven't been overburdened by greatness lately. And right now, they aren't producing much for the American people. Both sides have let this happen. Let's leave the history of who shot first to the historians. <coughs> I suspect they'll find we all conspired in our decline, either by deliberate actions or neglect. We've all played some role in it. Certainly I have. Sometimes I've let my passion rule my reason. Sometimes I made it harder to find common ground because of something harsh I said to a colleague. Sometimes I wanted to win more for the sake of winning than to achieve a contested policy. Incremental progress, compromises that each side criticized but also accept, just plain muddling through to chip away at problems and keep our enemies from doing their worst isn't glamorous or exciting. It doesn't feel like a political triumph, but it's usually the most we can expect from our system of government, operating in a country as diverse and quarrelsome and free as ours. Considering the injustice and cruelties inflicted by autocratic governments and how corruptible human nature can be, the problem solving our system does make possible the fitful progress it produces and the liberty and justice it preserves is a magnificent achievement. Our system doesn't depend on our nobility. It accounts for our imperfections and gives us an order to our individual strivings that has helped make ours the most powerful and prosperous society on earth. It is our responsibility to preserve that. And even when it requires us to do something less satisfying than winning, even when we must give a little to get a little, even when our efforts manage just three yards in a cloud of dust while critics on both sides denounce us for timidity, for our failure to triumph. I hope we can again rely on humility, on our need to cooperate, on our dependence on each other, to learn how to trust each other again, and by so doing better, serve the people who elected us. Stop listening to the bombastic loudmouths on the radio and television and the internet. To hey, hell with hey, them. Hey. Oh, wait, wait. Hold on, one cut. All right, go ahead, put it back. Public good. Our incapacity is their livelihood. 
Let's trust each other. Let's return to regular order. We've been spinning our wheels on too many important issues because we keep trying to find a way to win without help from across the aisle. That's an approach that's been employed by both sides, mandating legislation from the top down without any support from the other side, with all the parliamentary maneuvers that requires. We're getting nothing done, my friends. We're getting nothing done. And all we've really done this year is confirmed Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court. Our health care insurance system is a mess. We all know it. Those who support Obamacare and those who oppose it. Something has to be done. We Republicans have looked for a way to end it and replace it with something else without paying a terrible political price. We haven't found it yet, and I'm not sure we will. All we've managed to do is make more popular a policy that wasn't very popular when we started trying to get rid of it. I voted for the motion to proceed to allow debate to continue and amendments to be offered. I will not vote for this bill as it is today. It's a shell of a bill right now. We all know that. I have changes urged by my state's governor that will have to be included to earn my support for final passage of any bill. I know many of you will have to see the bill change substantially for you to support it. We've tried to do this by coming up with a proposal behind closed doors in consultation with the administration, then springing it on skeptical members, trying to convince them that it's better than nothing. That it's better than nothing? Asking us to swallow our doubts and force it past a unified opposition. I don't think that's going to work in the end, and probably shouldn't. The administration and congressional de Democrats shouldn't have forced through Congress without any opposition support a social and economic change as massive as Obamacare. Let me, let me, let me dip in here if I can. Um, a very passionate John McCain taking to the House floor. You know, I got to say this. I mean, his own daughter works with both of my places in radio and TV. Who is he talking about? Because our incapacity is their livelihood. Look, I'm not going to take it personally. There's There's been a, a pretty contentious relationship with conservatives and John McCain over the years, and I'm frankly glad he's back and feisty and fighting, and, and, and I'm glad he's there. Um, and I, I wish him health-wise all the best. But let me just address that line for one second. You know, Senator McCain and all you other Republicans, I offered back in 2014 on this program conservative solutions. I want problems solved. I have supported repealing and replacing. Don't blame me or anybody in talk radio or anybody on cable news. And, and by the way, his daughter's doing so well. She's a lovely, lovely woman she really is really and talented and doing great at fox and on the radio and so we're very happy for her but these broad sweeping generalizations is ridiculous i support repealing and replacing as you guys promised again and again and again i support borders that you guys promised again and again i support economic growth to get people out of poverty off of food stamps and back into the labor force, and back buying homes. I support a safe and secure country. I support peace and prosperity. I have given more specificity about the solutions than, frankly, all of you Republicans put together. 
So don't blame us because you guys can't get your act together. Now we're talking about the skinny bill on health care. I'll explain it all when we get back. We're also awaiting the president, and he's going to weigh in on the health care issue. But they just barely got it through with Mike Pence, the tie-breaking vote on the motion to proceed. It's pretty pathetic, frankly. And I don't know if this bodes well at all for repeal and replace. We'll see. Covert operative Mitch Rapp is ready for anything, but this time the enemy is ready for him. Read Order to Kill, the explosive new novel in Vince Flynn's number one New York Times bestselling Mitch Rapp series. Because of unscrupulous members of the Pakistani Secret Service, Rapp finds himself chasing false leads in an effort to keep Pakistani nukes from falling into the hands of terrorists. Soon it becomes alarmingly clear that the forces in Moscow are bent on fomenting even more chaos and turmoil in the Middle East. And Rap must go deep into Iraqi territory, posing as an American ISIS recruit. There, he uncovers a plan more dangerous and insidious than he ever expected. One that could have far-reaching and catastrophic consequences. Written with the same relentless action as Vince Flynn's greatest novels, Mitch Rapp's latest adventure is as timely and provocative as ever. Order to Kill. A Mitch Rapp novel by Kyle Mills is now in paperback wherever books are sold. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. All right. As we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, I want to give our stations along the Sean Hannity Show network a heads up that we expect any minute now the president is going to weigh in on these. Well, he, he's speaking now. I, I don't have a TV in here. Is it the. Okay, but uh, along the Sean Hannity show line, the president, well, he's taken to the podium now. When he does, we're going to blow this break, uh, give you the option, and continue to play the president's remarks through them. Uh, We just heard from Mitch McConnell and Senator McCain. Should be fascinating. All right, here's the president. Please. I'm very happy to announce that with zero of the Democrats' votes... The motion to proceed on health care has just passed, and now we move forward towards truly great health care for the American people. We look forward to that. This was a big step. I want to thank Senator John McCain, very brave man. He made a tough trip to get here and vote. So we want to thank Senator McCain and all of the Republicans. We passed it without one Democrat vote. And that's a shame, but that's the way it is, and it's uh, very unfortunate. But I want to congratulate American people because we're going to give you great health care. And we're going to get rid of Obamacare, which should have been, frankly, terminated long ago. It's been a disaster for the American people. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. And thank you all for being here. It is my honor to welcome Prime Minister. We're going to jump in here because that was the president talking, joint presser with the, I believe it was the Lebanese, was a prime minister? I don't know who it is. And the, uh, that was the Lebanese translator underneath it. But you heard the president's comments. He praised John McCain. You know, my issue with John McCain is I agree you guys are doing nothing. Don't blame us on radio and TV. Blame yourselves. You know, don't don't blame me, I, you know, that you guys had now since November 8th to get your act together and you didn't do it. I've been offering suggestions, health savings accounts, cooperatives. Since 2012, I've had Josh Umber on this program offering, I think, the defining solution to health care. 
you know, your incapacity is not my livelihood in that ex- for that extent. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. I like a lot coming up today. Look, there's a lot of ground to cover. What's going on with the president and Jeff Sessions? But I, I, the order of the day is the motion to proceed that just passed in the U.S. Senate on the repeal-replace opportunity. It's All it is is a procedural motion to proceed. That's all it is. Now, let me give you the skinny on... What a, well, not to in any way refer to the skinny bill on health care reform, which is one of the options now that they're talking about here. And we just heard from John McCain. I'm glad John McCain's back. I mean, he has frustrated me a lot politically over the years. I mean, a real lot. And to the point where I, I it's it just we just agree to disagree. It's not personal. And anyway, I mean, I supported him for president, tried my hardest to help him. And I think he was his own worst enemy in many ways. And uh, I think he tried his best. He he certainly has been a, a great hero to the country. I think one of the greatest stories of heroism is, I mean, here's a guy that could have gotten out of a prison camp in Vietnam earlier in the Hanoi Hilton and chose not to do it. Well, with that said, he is a moderate Republican. He's not a conservative, and he is not the biggest fan of the president either. Anyway, and I'm very sorry about his diagnosis. Our thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family. I know his daughter, Megan, works at Fox, and she worked at Premier Radio that syndicates his radio program, and she's a lovely lovely woman. She's not a girl, but she's a lovely woman, and she's doing a great job for Fox. And, you know, we've had great conversations in the halls of Fox and just, you know, talking about broadcasting and, and what she's doing and the transition she's made. But I take issue with him saying our incapacity is their livelihood taking shots at radio and turn off the radio and turn off cable. And I'm the first thing I'm thinking is, hey, whoa, whoa, you know, I work with your daughter. Don't turn off our station. All right, please keep our stations on if you don't mind. And uh, then I'm realizing that there really is deep anger towards conservatives in this country and i take it a little further because it is a false characterization and accusation that somehow we live that their incapacity is our livelihood that's not true that's not what motivated me to get into this business in the first place it's not what motivates me and drives me today And I know for most of my colleagues, that's not the case either. What drives us and what drives me in particular is I see the country I love in decline. I don't like America's precipitous decline. You know, well, you support Donald Trump. Yeah, okay. I I want the president to succeed. I do. I've known him for two decades. I do. I've known him. I think he's a great guy. If people got to know him the way I know him, everybody would love. I don't even think a Democrat could not like him. And I know that he has a very tough public persona. He's the only guy that made a living off your fired that never wants to fire anybody. He really doesn't. And the problem I have with all of this is if you listen to this show and watch my TV show, and she's telling you not to listen to or watch, I assume it's people like me making an assumption here. 
I assume he's talking about Rush. I assume he's talking about Mark. I assume he's talking about those of us that have been Laura, those of us that have been critical of him over the years and have had disagreements with him. All of us supported him in his effort over Obama. We can all tell you that. So I guess we can't be that horrible when he needed us for the airtime and and some flanker support over the years. But I know what motivates me, and I know what motivates this audience, and I know what this election was about. This election was about America's decline. This election was about, in large part, to get rid of Obamacare. This election was about America's safety and security. This election was about immigration. This election was about the stupidity of our country having more energy resources and not using them and and remaining energy and dependent on countries that hate us. This election was about we're overtaxed or overregulated. This election was about the government dominating what we do in schools. This election was about not being able to say the words radical Islam. All of the above and the world becoming more dangerous every day. It's always been the peace and prosperity drive elections. Well, this past election wasn't any different. The only thing that made a difference was those people that I mentioned every single day on radio and on TV, the forgotten men and women of this country. I said it on election night when I called into the Fox News channel. This is the forgotten man, forgotten woman election. And it's not our fault when you, when you talk about those that reflect the views or are able to build an audience in radio and on TV, the only reason that is so is because really we're just kind of like representatives like they're supposed to be. And their inaction, their incapacity is their failure. It's not our failure. Since 2014, I have believed that solutions are are dramatically needed for this country balancing the budget not living beyond our means i've talked about ways to get there i support the penny plan has anybody anybody gotten that done in washington senator mccain is it is it really talk show and tv show host problems that that's never gotten done for seven years this party of yours has promised repealing and replacing obamacare seven years and now we're on the brink today of of barely having a chance to even argue it. And so my sources in D.C. tell me there are three emerging plans. You know, they're going to vote for the 2015 repeal. And I guess based on the Murkowski vote and on the Collins vote, we've lost all of them. And I, I think you keep Rand Paul. I think you keep, I, I don't know where Senator Mike Lee's going to be. I don't know where... I don't know where everybody's going to. I don't know where Portman's going to be. A lot of these senators selfishly want more Medicare spending for their states and, and more subsidies from the federal government. Give me our piece. Give us our piece of the pie. That's what we really want. We really want big government. So we learned in the House, they don't really, there were 100 Republicans, even though there were 68 show votes. And I told you at the time there were show votes. To repeal and replace Obamacare. Repeal, replace Obamacare. There were show votes because they knew Obama would veto it. They knew that it would never happen. 
And then all of a sudden, Trump becomes elected president, and Pat Toomey says, wow, we can't believe he won. It was a big shock to us. We've had time. To, we needed time to adjust to this. How much time, Senator, do you need to adjust? So 2010 was the year, give us the House, we'll repeal and replace. 2014, give us the House and Senate, we'll repeal and replace. 2015, they vote to repeal and replace. Obama says no. Now you got Trump with pen in hand waiting to do it. And now some of those people, three of those people that voted for the 2015 bill are saying no. So the three options that I see on the table are just a straight up repeal and transition. I'd support that. I'm, I'm all if you get rid of the whole thing, I'm for it. Scrap it. Transition out of it without spending a fortune. I do have that one little caveat because we do know how Washington works. And then the other one is the, the bill that included Ted Cruz's amendment. Although Ted Cruz's amendment can't get scored, and unfortunately for that would mean that what they were originally discussing and debating, some version of the House bill, I won't go through it. The president outlined it while we were on the air in this hour yesterday. I'm not going to repeat everything that's in it because I don't want to take up all the airtime. So we'd have to assume or hope that the Cruz Amendment actually gets added or they, they fix that in conference. Never trust anything that goes to conference, in my view. Or they're now floating a third idea, which is the skinny bill on health care reform, which is they would repeal Obamacare's individual and employer mandates. They would also scrap the medical device tax. Then the House and Senate lawmakers would go to conference. Now, it's not clear that what that final plan, nobody has any idea what that thing's going to look like. But for them, they, they, they got to pass something. The fact that they're so ill-prepared for the moment, you have every reason to be frustrated and angry and upset. The fact that you know, if John McCain is going to say Washington's incapacity is talk radio and talk television and his livelihood, really, Senator? We've had on this program, poor Dr. Josh Umber, I've taken more hours of this man's life and time for him to come on this program since 2012 and explain how a good health care cooperative can work at $50 a month per adult. No issues with pre-existing conditions, unlimited care. You have your doctor's cell phone number, concierge care for every American man and woman for 50 bucks a month. You couple it with catastrophic care for cancer, heart attacks and accidents, and you've got yourself fully covered. So for 200 bucks a month, maximum at that point, you're totally covered. Crazy. Hannity, how'd you figure that out? Years and years, well over a decade, probably 50, I don't even know when the book came out. Patient Power, Musgrave and, and Goodman, Cato Institute. It goes into great depths and detail about health savings accounts. That's another one I've talked about. So it is, the sad reality is, is you've got this other class in Washington. They don't really seem to care a whole lot. There's so much animosity, so much hatred towards this president right now. The five forces I keep telling you about the deep state, the Democratic Party, the most corrupt news media, weak, timid, spineless, visionless Republicans, 
that need to take responsibility, to use Senator McCain's words, for their incapacity. And then, of course, the never-Trumpers that, that are dying for the day, they can stick their finger in the face of somebody who voted for Trump and say, see you dumb, ignorant. Ah. Remember on Saturday Night Live, chain you ignorant. I can't even say it anymore. It'd be politically incorrect. I'll get in trouble. I get fired for repeating Dan Aykroyd. But you get the point. It's sad. You know, you've, you, we now live the deep state so bad you got Obama CIA director urging Trump officials to stage a mutiny if Mueller is fired, even though Mueller has, has more corruption. I, I've never seen a guy hire be so blatantly biased in his hirings. Hillary Clinton's attorney. You know, Republicans are so weak. The only one that asked for any type of Ukrainian collusion investigation is Senator Grassley. Good for him. A little late, but good for him. And meanwhile, there was a meeting with a DNC operative inside the Ukrainian embassy with the Ukrainian ambassador and political reports. Well, then the information was forwarded to the DNC and the Clinton campaign. Never mind Uranium One and what goes on there. Uh, Anthony Scaramucci, the new communications director, on with us yesterday, said that questions about the attorney general. I know the president has been at odds with the attorney general, and I get it, and I understand it. it was, a lot of it was about the recusal issue, and I think that recusal decision was one of the worst decisions I've ever seen from an attorney general. Of course, he didn't want Hillary Clinton in the campaign. All right, so he made comments, but as attorney general, he has a— he has a duty to enforce the law. Then you get Rosenstein, friend of Comey, who's a friend of Mueller. And now we got a special counsel, and, and, and we've literally got stagnation. I've always liked Jeff Sessions. He is a good, honorable, and decent man, and I'm sure he did it for all the reasons that he believed it. I think it was the wrong decision. But that's not stopping Jeff Sessions from going forward with Hillary's email server and classified top-secret special access program information on it, mishandling of it, destroying of it, destroying... You know, Donald Trump and his campaign never deleted 33,000 emails, never took a hammer to Blackberries or iPhones, never used bleach bit. Not like Debbie Wasserman Schultz, IT person, who we'll investigate later in the program today, who literally had broken, beaten-up hard drives in his garage, and the FBI have now confiscated them, and he wants them back and other devices that have been mishandled. None of that ever happened. You're a pollster. Will that ever change? Are you trying to convince the 60% or, according to Gallup, uh, we'll show the Gallup headline that shows a record low approval rating as of this weekend, 36%. That means that uh, almost two-thirds of Americans don't support the president right now. Do, do you, That's are you not trying to persuade them? Or That's is the strategy, Kellyanne, just to appeal to the base from now on? No. Uh, and again, you want that to say the president said on November 9th, as he was elected, as Hillary Clinton called my cell phone and congratulated, an important word, conceded. I know that they can't they can't uh, let go of these election results now we're but talking that, about that Hillary night, Clinton again no no, no Honestly, we're talking I don't about have time for that 
Brian, excuse me. If you're going to talk about Russia, you're, and you're going to talk about emails, and you're going to talk about investigations, you're going to talk about... You're Jacqueline. actually the you're one that brought up Russia. You're always going to talk about Hillary Clinton. I Hold didn't on. bring up Russia. No, no, no. Your, your, your network is obsessed with that. You're, you're vested in it. All the Chirons say it constantly. All the guests talk about There's it. There's a big but story the going I on, Kelly. Her, and the the reason just because I you deny her, it doesn't mean it's not a big story. The reason, it's not a big story. What makes it big? And you can't tell me that this is about the campaign and then we're not to talk about Hillary Clinton. The reason I just raised her is because when she called to concede the election to Donald Trump, he immediately went up to the podium and said something that remains true at this moment. He said, I will be the president of all Americans, even those who do not support me. He's not appealing to the base. He's making good on his promises. When I go out around this country, as I do, and you ever want to cover it, come and join me. All right, our two Sean Hannity shows, we come to you from, well, I guess, the swamp and the sewer and everything that's horrible, and that's Washington, D.C. That was Kellyanne Conway, counselor to the president, and uh, as we come to you from the Hills, there are co- college studios, and uh, Kellyanne joins us in studio. You know, there's a new aggressiveness that I'm noticing. Sebastian Gorka saying, oh, Nickelodeon at night has higher TV ratings than... Yogi Bear. Yogi Bear. <laughs> By the way, I watch... We're about to... Well, I don't think people under a certain age even know who Yogi Bear is, so the fact that there's a critical mass of people watching it yeah. and not watching these other cable networks spew hey, junk boo-boo. about Russia, that's right. Hey, it tells boo- you something. Hey, boo-boo, picking it best. All right, I think I'm funny. So there's this beatdown going on. So I actually put together this montage. I think you'll appreciate it because you have been dealing with this now for six months and about four days and every network is so abusively biased. So there was this guy that one time was in a town hall with President Obama, and he just lost it. And it sort of you even heard this in, in Humpty Dumpty's voice when you were on his show over the weekend. That's what I call him, Humpty Dumpty, Jeff Zucker's stenographer. You are not responsible for the things I say on this program. And so we put this little montage I think you'll appreciate together. From NBC News World Headquarters in New York, this is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. This is the CBS Evening News with Scott Pelley. From ABC News World Headquarters, this is ABC World News Tonight with David Muir. This is Meet the Press with Chuck Todd. Today on Face the Nation. From ABC News, it's This Week. Here now, Chief Anchor George Stephanopoulos. I think Kellyanne gets the point. But you you hear the breathlessness in their voice when you are on these programs and everybody else is on these programs. And it is a breathlessness. It's, It's singularly focused. There seems to be zero desire to cover good news or accomplishments or even real other scandals out there. There's no question. And my grievance from the beginning has been incomplete coverage. The media simply are abdicating their responsibility to be fair, but they're also abdicating their role to connect Americans with the information they need. If you quizzed these people that you're speaking of about the finer points of the health care bill, if you ask them what's actually in our tax reform principles, meaning what's, what's information, 
I think they would fail the quiz because the questions are always about, will it fail? Do you have the votes? Explosive, explosive lack of success legislatively. And it's always presumptive negativity. And when I hear anchors, like one on CNN recently said to me, quote, the White House does nothing to help opioid crisis. I want to jump through the TV because I'm a person who goes around this country at the behest of the president with people crying on my shoulder looking for help. And he is helping. We're working on prevention and treatment and recovery and interdiction and funding, but also destigmatizing and giving people hope and heart on this issue. And it's like that across the board. You know, yesterday in the White House, before the president left to speak to 40,000 some uh, individuals, the, the Boy, Boy Scouts, Scouts. it's just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. The jamboree in West Virginia was great. Don't wear heels there, Sean, if you ever go. But uh, whoa, 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 you wore heels? Of course. I was dressed for the in day. In the mud? Always. 100%. <laughs> uh, and so before he left there, he had Obamacare victims in the East Wing of the White House. And they told their very raw, very real, very compelling stories as to not only where they lied by the previous president, you can keep your plan, you can keep your doctor. That was a big fat lie. But also just what's happened to them, how they've been abandoned by the system and they they just need help. They need help, meaning the premiums, the deductibles, et cetera. And what did somebody in the media say? Somebody from BuzzFeed tweeted out that the White House must have had a casting call for weirdly looking people. This is how they treat. Do you see what they say about Sarah Sanders? Do you see? And this is just this is what we're up against now, which is it, it's not just liberal. It's not just um, bias. It's not just anti-Trump. It's actually lazy. The The facts and the figures just aren't there. The stickiness of the issues of what you need to know that's happening that day that affects you. They're not telling the veterans they have 24-7 hotline that through the Veterans Accountability and Choice Acts and Whistleblower Protection Act that these veterans now can access care in the private sector. They're not telling people that six and a half million Americans forked over money and taxes and penalties to the IRS rather than join Obamacare. They're not They're not being honest with people that all the Obamacare websites have failed, that 19 of the 23 co-ops have gone under, that 83 insurers have fleed the Obamacare exchanges with dozens more promising to do so. That's relevant information that people need. They cover palace intrigue stories, who's up, who's down, they have these snarky headlines. You know, I went from being jailbait to clickbait. Oh boy! Uh, they 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 went. They they have these headlines for ad revenues, for clicks, for kicks. I guess kicks and clicks. And it's not serving the public. The public needs information. Let me. Obviously, healthcare is on the on the in the forefront of people's minds today. That Jeff Sessions and a bunch of other issues, but in healthcare in particular. And I did see the president's um, speech before he went to the jamboree, where you wore high heels to the Boy Scout jamboree. I bet everybody was glad to see you there. Um, but you know, there's so many good things that are really happening out there that nobody hears about. But healthcare to me was the biggest promise they made, and the president made this point yesterday. Give us the House in 20. 10, the Senate 2014, the White House, and we'll get it done. Now we're down to repeal and, you know, a part-time solution and then work on it more or not what exactly we were told it was going to be. Or the third option is if that doesn't all work out, they'll just keep voting and voting little pieces of Obamacare away. That's frustrating to me. That's frustrating to the base. That's frustrating to every conservative. That... It's been frustrating to the president and the yeah, vice and the president, president because yeah. they success, they've they done their job. They successfully ran on repeal and replace of Obamacare. Sean, there were no footnotes. There were no contingencies. And the senators who voted to repeal Obamacare in 2015 should think about that today when they're 
casting these votes because the only two things that have changed since they themselves voted to repeal in 2015 is number one, Obamacare got worse. And number two, we now have a president willing to sign it into law. And so they're going to go back home and they're going to face the fire. They have all these protesters uh, here on Capitol Hill from the other side laying down and, and uh, screaming. And But they're going to go home and they're going to hear from the base. They're going to hear from the center-right people who trusted them to repeal and replace. As the president said to those senators at lunch last Wednesday, and I was sitting right there, he said, I've been here six months. You've been talking about this for over seven years, pen in hand, ready to sign it. But I guess they're going to consider what's called skinny repeal and replace. We'll see. Right. But look, maybe Vice President Pence puts it best when he says this is the beginning of the end of Obamacare. You have to start somewhere. Well, that's what the House bill was. But if we're going to repeal it and then we'll have a, a, a two year period where that gives them time, I'm actually fine with that. And I think that's one of the things Rand Paul wanted to do. I know that they can't score Ted Cruz's amendment, which we're told would drive premiums down significantly. What do you make of, of the back and forth? There's been a lot made about the president's comments. Jeff Sessions, he had recused himself. I always thought that was a mistake. but I, I And I've always liked Jeff Sessions. I've been friends with yes. him many, many years. Yes. I mean, and he's a solid conservative, was loyal to the president. Is the president frustrated over the recusal or the fact that it's, it seems like all we hear is Russia? We don't hear about Ukrainian collusion, Uranium One. We don't hear about mishandling of emails, destroying of classified top secret special access program or any of the other crimes or Loretta Lynch. Why do we only hear about Russia? What is the AG's office doing on those issues? Do we know? So first, Sean, you're absolutely right. Allow me to echo that Senator Sessions, now Attorney General Sessions, is an honorable man, a man of integrity, who's been a public servant for decades in this nation and for the state of Alabama. And, and that just continues. The president is very frustrated. And he's there's frustration, there's consternation about the recusal. He made that very clear. I would say it was one of the five lowest points of the first six months only because so much of the program runs through the Department of Justice and also because the president just doesn't think it was necessary. Why? Because he didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing here about Russia. We've been doing this for nine months. I said earlier, I could have had a baby by now and we have no evidence of anything. It's been going on for nine months. Adam Schiff spends all his time on TV talking about it. And I think no he's time. had like 130 appearances yeah. or something. It's he's been on TV for hours and hours yeah. and hours, literally 130 times since, since uh, Donald Trump got here. And of course, when you're on TV, you're not under oath, but you're also not investigating. You're pontificating. He's not calling witnesses and gathering evidence. He's conjecturing with the rest of the liberal media that that just can't prove to any, they just can't point to anything. And Sean, every time they say, as Brian Seltzer said to me over the weekend and others have, uh, but there may be something there, shouldn't we know? There, that's just, that's not the way this works, everybody. It doesn't work that there may be something there, so let's investigate, let's have a special counsel. It doesn't work that way. So the president's frustration is the recusal. But it's also because with the recusal came more and more Russia, Russia, Russia. The president is trying to talk to and about America, and everybody else is talking about Russia. So the president has been suggesting that the attorney general do more to investigate what's not hypothetical, but what's very real. Hillary Clinton destroying 33,000 emails, mm. Bill Clinton getting a half a million dollar speech. How about and then the, uranium the uranium one deal? Right, there you go, the re uranium rights that what came right Ukrainian after that. What about Ukrainian collusion? Isn't that collusion? I think it's important for people to know all these facts, just like it's important for them to know who donates to which candidate, uh, if they're going to be part of a legal team. That's just called transparency and accountability. So people should, but the president has made very clear from day one, this Russia is a witch hunt, it's a hoax. He has nothing to do with it. You've got Jared Kushner complying. You've got Don Jr. has been willing to to do that. People are willing to share the information they have. But look, I was the campaign manager for the winning part of the campaign. Nobody ever handed me a file or a dossier and said, you need to see this. You know, if I need negative information about Hillary Clinton, I looked at 
Hillary Clinton. She was like a walking treasure trove of negativity. It was actually funny yesterday when uh, Jared said, well, after Election Day, if you asked me who the Russian ambassador is, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. I thought that was funny. Kellyanne, thanks for stopping by. Great to Such see you. Pleasure. We appreciate it. Counselor take to the care. President, 800 Sean, you want to be a part of the program. So we'll take a break from the swamp, from the sewer, from uh, Sin City, USA. It's the Sean Hannity Show. Many thanks to our friends at Hillsdale College for allowing us to use their studios. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll continue. Welcome back. Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Lenny Davis, you know, he was the guy that actually defended Bill Clinton during those rough years of impeachment and perjury and suborning perjury and sex in the Oval with a an intern. I mean, it was a mess. And he wrote a book about it, and it's really, I think, well done if you're under fire, whether in corporate America, in your real life, personal life. Or in a White House, tell the truth, tell it all, tell it early, tell it yourself, get it out of the way. What's the point? Uh, Mark is next in North Carolina. Mark, hi, how are you? Glad you called. Hey, Sean, how's it going today? It's good, sir. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, It's nice and sunny up here in uh, North Carolina today, but uh, I'll get right to my point. I was actually calling about uh, Sessions' recusal from any of the Russia involvement. And I'm not a lawyer. I don't play one on TV. But what would what would be the crime or the sin if he was to do a reverse uh, accusal and and then actually get his uh, roll up his sleeves and, and get his hands dirty on the stuff that needs to be done, or at least what uh, Trump needs to have him do? I mean, I, 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 I just think I, I think for perhaps legally, if he thought the conditions had changed, he could make the argument for that. I think the pushback would be monumental and i think there would be who knows it just would cause such a ruckus i don't think it's worth it i i, I don't know why he did it i i be i know the reason he gave at the time but uh his position in the campaign but that's that's the same with everybody i didn't feel that was a real good reason for recusal um jeff sessions is a good man i've i've known jeff sessions for many many years and you know i, I wish he wasn't I wish the president would give him a chance to do his job, but I'm also a little bit agitated that we haven't gotten enough out of the attorney general's office, especially in light of the fact the way the Democrats are pursuing non-facts, made-up facts, phony news, and we have real issues out there involving real collusion, real corruption, real law-breaking, real felonies that are committed, and I I see absolute paralysis. I see no action at all in the attorney general's office, and maybe there are things that going on that I don't know about, but I would urge him to, to get focused on equal justice under the law. If I mean, and I think it's just the way it should be. Does that make sense? Like, if he did that, would there be legal ramifications for him to do a reverse refusal? I just don't think it's politically possible. I, I don't think he would, ha- his entire argument would be shot, and in the minds of, in this day and age of social media, in this day and age of instant response, in this day and age of entire news organizations against one of administration, the same people that fawned over Obama now have focused their attention on destroying President Trump. And I just I think it would be such a big problem. I mean, there'd be calls for his removal that second and those calls wouldn't stop. And the difference between Republicans and Democrats, Democrats don't care. Democrats stay together. Republicans are fragmented. Republicans are all over the place. Republicans create circular firing squads and destroy each other. And they they can't even agree on a, a simple bill to repeal and replace. Obamacare. It's pathetic. Anyway, I hope that answers your question. All right, when we come back, Lanny, the book that what Lanny did to help Clinton, 
in those impeachment years was frankly amazing. And he's learned a lot from that experience, and we'll pick his brains. He's uh, here with us in Washington. We're in the swamp. We're in the sewer. And we're here for a couple of days, and we're headed back Wednesday night. But um, it's absolutely the least favorite place on earth to be. My least favorite place. We'll continue. Because of my service as Secretary of State is what his presidency would mean to our country and our standing in the world. I am already receiving messages from leaders. I'm having foreign leaders ask if they can endorse me to stop Donald Trump. I say, no, it's, I mean, this is up to Americans. Thank you very much. But I get what you're saying you're and where you're us, coming You're not going to tell us who? Um, well, some have done it publicly, actually. Um, the Italian prime minister, for example. How about the ones that have done it privately? No, Jake. Not- <laughs> We're holding that in reserve, too. All right, that was Hillary Clinton from last week. Glad you're with us. Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN is our number. Joining us here in the Hillsdale Studios, we have Lanny Davis, author of The Crisis Tales. And it's tell the truth, tell it early, tell it all, tell it yourself. Notes from my White House education. I'm going to start with that because... Hillary was admitting collusion there, so I, I don't want to focus all of our attention on what we're going to disagree on. One of the things I admire the most about you, and we have been friends a lot of years, is that, and we really, we kind of became friendly during the Clinton years, although we had television wars, you have to admit, right? Well, peaceful, but war. No, they weren't always peaceful, Lenny. <laughs> I mean, there were days you would get off the air and you were really pissed off. Really, really pissed off. Really. And then in comes the incoming email. Why do you make it personal? I didn't make it personal. Yes, and you did so make it personal. But the one thing I give you credit for is you're really, really good at crisis management because you had to deal with the president that had sex with an intern in the Oval Office, lied to the American people, uh, committed perjury, suborned perjury, lost his law license, and was impeached, and he still was the president. Have you changed your mind about Bill Clinton? Because I, I, I didn't think you liked him. That was a very nice... Uh, I've never met the guy because you've never introduced me. Uh, one thing Bill Clinton did is to own up to making big mistakes in his personal life, which you just described. But also legally, I mean, he did have to pay a judgment against Paul Jones. He did lose his legal license. He did get impeached. There were legal ramifications. And what I always would say is uh, nobody says uh, more harsh things about his personal behavior than Bill Clinton said about himself. You're, real, you're still really good. But in a lot of ways, I see between the deep state, the media, your fellow Democrats, not you, though, and, well, you a little bit, I see this White House is under fire. And, uh, for example, on the, on the whole Russia thing, I think, I think it should be tell the truth, tell it all, tell it early, tell it yourself. And I, I think had they maybe done that earlier, it wouldn't have the slow drip, drip, drip that we've been having. Look, the lesson of President Clinton, if I could just go back to that, is he did have a very bad last couple of years. And he did personally experience a lot of pain. And the country had to experience a lot of that pain. He left with a 65% approval rating. Why? It's a lesson for President Trump. People ultimately judge you on the job you do. And when he left office, there was prosperity, there were jobs, the budget was balanced, and they thought he had done a pretty good job, and they forgave him for what were personal weaknesses that he admitted to. If President Trump didn't tweet about Mueller and Sessions and all this other stuff and focused on what got him elected, which are the issues that people care about, and unfortunately some of us in the Democratic Party forgot about those issues, he'd be a lot better off. 
But in the case of Mueller, if Mueller, you've seen a lot of special counsels, special prosecutors in your day. He's supposed to be investigating the, the campaign and Russia. Okay, now he's looking into finances. Now we call it investigative creep. You've experienced it. You've seen it. But there does seem to be a double standard because we had a DNC operative, this woman Chalupa, who met at the Ukrainian embassy with the Ukrainian ambassador and Politico reported passed on information of the Clinton campaign. They disseminated false information against Trump to help Hillary and passed on that information to the DNC. Why are we looking into that? Isn't that collusion in the same type of collusion? Well, two questions, but let me start with the second so you don't think I'm avoiding it. I find what... He knows my style too well. Go ahead. I find what uh, I've read, if it's true, and I did read it in a credible, great reporter from Politico, that what Chalupa did was disgusting, repulsive, should be repudiated, and I have no idea. I didn't know it at the time. Had I known it about the time, I would have written about it. But uh, by the same token, any Republican, conservative American should repudiate Russia interfering in our elections, whether it's a Ukrainian consultant or whether it's a Russian I do. Uh, I, I do. But they, they went after America in previous elections, as it was testified by intelligence officials. They, they definitely tried to influence this election. And they'll do it in future elections. My question is, do you have any evidence of collusion? No, that's what the investigation is about. There was a meeting by uh, Donald Trump Jr. who thought there was going to be help from the Russian government. He was mistaken and nothing happened. Is that Alan Dershowitz says that's not wrong to listen to somebody if they have information on an opposing candidate. Is he right or are you right? I love Alan, but the word wrong, I don't know what he means. I certainly, if so I, it's not illegal in any way. Uh, the campaign finance laws might make it illegal if she'd actually turned over negative information, and that's something of value. But it's not value. a crime. No, we're not, talk, we're not no, we're talking a, about a penalty. If you get something of value from a foreign government, as was accused of President Clinton in the 96 campaign, that's a crime mm-hmm. to get something of value from a foreign government. But it, it's a stretch to say that uh, that meeting in and of itself was illegal. That it would have to be something more. If that's what Alan means, I agree with him. But it was poor judgment. And the judgment issue on meeting with a foreign government official who has in the subject line. So you're consistent. Hillary Clinton. You're saying Ukraine, same thing. You're saying Russia, uh, same thing. Yes. Uh, the, I have no idea why the DNC was taking information from a consultant, not a Ukrainian government official, but the fact is they should have said, no, thank you. We don't let foreign governments Does get involved it- in our. Uh, but I don't see the comparison. I think the Russian collusion, which all the intelligence... He's running... Uh, you're one of your best friends. You're, he's, this is called running out the clock at this point. Uh, <laughs> does it bother you it's about... It's difference. You know the Uranium One deal. Now, Hillary was one of nine officials as Secretary of State. Don't get me started on that. You don't want to get me started on that. Oh, yeah, I do. I would love to see you pissed <laughs> off. I really... That's actually my goal, to get you pissed off. That, that deal was approved by the Defense Department, the Energy Department... And the Secretary of State. And, and eight other Clinton. agencies, and the Utah Nuclear Regulatory Got Agency, it. a Republican did, organization. That was did, not a Hillary did any of giveaway them, to Russia. <laughs> did any of those groups with the people associated with those that deal, those people that were in Canada, I can I can pull up the list of every name. They didn't get 145 million dollars kickback to their foundation from people that were that benefited from that deal. The Clintons did. Bill Clinton's speaking fees in Moscow. Now this is we're handing over. We're allowing up to 20 percent of America's uranium to get in the hands of Vladimir Putin and Russia, our sworn enemy. Democrats tell us, and she got 145 million kickback. And I don't know anybody else that got any money kicked back to them. Do you? 
Do you know the expression you've just introduced, uh, evidence without a foundation? The That's word it. kickback is evidence without a foundation. Okay, the people associated with the no deal, kickback. the people associated with the deal donated over $145 million to the Clinton Foundation. That's very generous, isn't it? So here's the causation lo- logic, same logic. The rooster crows... And the sun rises. I'm asking about uranium, the foundational material of nuclear weapons, and you're talking about roosters. The rooster crows, the sun rises, therefore the rooster causes the sun to rise. If somebody gives a donation and then something else happens, that doesn't mean they're causally related. But it could be. Okay, (laughs) I get that you say that, but could it be? Of course. Doesn't it seem $145 million for 20% of the foundational material for nuclear weapons handed over... To somebody we believe is evil. So the Secretary of Defense, the Secretary of Energy, and the Nuclear Regulatory Commission of Utah were all bribed by that donation? I don't know. Do they have $145 million in the foundation kickback by the players in that deal? Well, if the word kickback were accepted as evidence in... $145 million <laughs> donated to the Clinton Foundation, that's not that's not worthy of an investigation? One of the reasons I love you is... Is that worthy of an that, investigation? No. But one of the reasons no. I love you is that logic does, by the way, has no relevance. Your, your, best, life. your BFF is sitting here, <laughs> and he's shaking his head saying he agrees with me, not you. He says, Lanny Davis knows how to handle Sean Hannity. Listen, I'm, it's only because I'm nice to you. If I wanted to be mean like in the old days, I w- I'd be mean. All right, let me go to this thing. This is an important question because I, I, we saw what happened with Scooter Libby. Scooter Libby, as far as I'm concerned, when they found out Richard Armitage was the leaker, Valerie Plame on day one, uh, Patrick Fitzgerald should have walked away, in my opinion. But then the investigative creep goes on. Three years out, we get Scooter Libby on a on a perjury charge. I would argue a perjury trap because you go under oath, you, you don't remember things. We got you. I think you can indict a ham sandwich at that point. And I wouldn't talk to anybody. I wouldn't recommend anybody talk either. I would argue it's probably because he didn't hand over Vice President Cheney. That's my theory on it. But anyway, three years later, that's all we got out of that investigation. Is it appropriate for Mueller to appoint Hillary Clinton's former attorney from the Clinton Foundation and hire all of these Obama donors, all of these Clinton donors, all of these Democratic donors to do the investigation on Trump? Or do you think that is inappropriate? I believe it's inappropriate. Uh, I I think it's a mistake. I don't think it's inappropriate. I'd, I'd like to address the merits of his investigation. I don't like setting up perjury traps where you can't prove an underlying crime. That's what happened to Webster and at the time I was on your show during those years, you were not upset by that. But I don't like that. The underlying Such crime, memories we have, Lanny. The, the underlying crime right, is Betty? what's important. And there should not be a, a, a perjury a false statement case if you don't have an underlying crime. As to whether or not uh, Mr. Trump was involved in collusion, as to whether or not uh, I haven't seen any evidence None. of that. But then why is he saying the president has full power to pardon? Why isn't he focusing because on... Because the media brought up the issue, and I but, I would I would think constitutionally you agree with the president. Uh, the, the power of the pardon is absolute. Tell me where it's not. Uh, Ken Starr wrote a very long memo where he now said... Now you're quoting Ken Starr who you can, trashed all those years? You don't expect me to be consistent with you, do you? Uh, no. Uh, the answer is it's never been uh, litigated. I doubt that there's any limitation on the power no. to pardon. But I would, I would tend to there's agree an argument you. on both ways. But look... You know, I actually thought at one point Trump would pardon Hillary Clinton if the issues came up about her. I think President Trump, not that he'll take my advice, should stop tweeting about Mueller and stop tweeting about 
pardons and start tweeting about what Americans care about, which got him elected. I don't think that's bad advice. All right, stay right there. Lanny Davis is with us. Tell the truth. Tell it all. Tell it early. Tell it yourself. In other words, everything nobody ever wants to do in life when you get caught. <laughs> uh, all right, as we continue, we're in our nation's capital, 800-941-SEAN is our number. Lanny Davis is with us. It's really interesting. When you're under fire in the swamp, in the sewer, which is Washington, D.C., I mean, he lived through a lot of it. And very skillfully, I might add, even though we were fighting a lot of the time, was able to help navigate a, a sitting president after having sex with an intern in the Oval Office, lying about it, committing perjury, suborning perjury, saying, right, Betty, to his secretary, asking her to lie for him. You know how I remember it all. I've got a memory. But if you asked me what I did on TV last night, I couldn't tell you. Well, I think you, you just got to recycle what you said 10 minutes ago. That's easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't think about it before you came in the studio, to be honest. So l- let's just go. Just seeing your flashbacks. L- let's just take advantage of your audience and give Mr. Trump some good advice. I don't support him. I certainly would never vote for him. But he's my president, just as he's your president. And we've got to fix this health care system, and we need more jobs, and we certainly need an infrastructure system that we aren't worried about and a border and we need a safe border we don't need a wall which he still uh can't tell how he's going to pay for but don't let me go there if mr trump really wants to get that program enacted there are a lot of moderate democrats joe manchin is my favorite example that will work with him and he can build a coalition that ronald reagan built he had to work with uh, tip o'neill and he would would meet in the white house after they slugged it out during the daytime i think trump's background he did support hillary clinton one part of his life he could probably build a coalition with democrats to get something done he's got to see i don't see it i i, I see the scoop jackson error uh or the joe liebermans of the world if you will mansion's probably one of two people you can name i could uh, name you 20 all right, who well, would, would support him on an infrastructure bill yeah everybody because that's more big government spending everybody well, loves that although he wants a private public partnership let me ask you a question i hit hillary pretty hard in the campaign because i thought she was a dishonest person i thought she ran a horrible campaign and i thought she'd be a bad president um it seems she hasn't handled this well afterwards you're friends with her am i wrong in my perception I, I think you're wrong in your perception, but I, you and I both agree that uh, she's not only a friend. We've been friends for 47 years. Uh, she has been there for me through thick and thin, as I have for her. So I, therefore, am not very good in responding to any question you ask me about Hillary other than she's been a great friend. I, I honestly do admire your loyalty. Well, I mean, she's just a great friend. No, but we've we've hung out now together a lot over the years, and we've been through some political wars and disagreements. I love... I respect that you fight for your friends. I fight for my friends, and I hate disloyal people. Make sense? Or people that are only loyal in the good times, not the hard times. Let me ask to ask something. Thank you for the compliment. When you were unfairly attacked by my friends because they mm-hmm. disagreed with your opinions and they called on boycotts and other things. You were the only... Wait a minute. You were one of two people on the left that stood up and said, stop the boycott. Which, by the way, I don't. you don't want to silence free speech. I don't either. I don't care how crazy on the left you are. That's dangerous for liberty and freedom. And if they're successful, we'll never, we'll never have an open dialogue in the country. And the same thing for the right versus the left. You and I uh, disagree on most things, but we agree on fundamental principles. Well, and we want to save wonderful. our country. Our country's a mess. Obama messed it up so bad, we got to fix it. Obama was a great president. Oh, gee. I get out of here. Get, I, I don't even know why. Get, I, I've, I've maxed out my time with you. Get out. I'll, although I will see, see you, you tonight. Yeah, see exactly. you tonight. 
All right, Lanny Davis, tell the truth, tell it all, tell it early, tell it yourself. Look, I don't even have to look at the title. That's how often I've quoted it recently. All right, we'll take a quick break. We're in the sewer. We're in Washington, D.C. We're in Sin City, and we're here to drain the swamp. It's a Sean Hannity show. Under my understanding, the Capitol Police is not able to confiscate members' equipment when the member is not under investigation. It is their equipment, and it's supposed to be returned. Well, I think there's extenuating circumstances in this case, and I think I think that, you know, working through my counsel and, you know, the necessary personnel, if, if that, in fact, is the case, and with the permission of, through the investigation, and we'll return the equipment. But until that's accomplished, I can't return the equipment. I think you're violating the rules when you, when you conduct your business that way and should expect that there would be consequences. All right, News Roundup, Information Overload Hour, as we continue from our nation's capital, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. As we have been telling you, the FBI seized smashed computer hard drives from the home of Florida Democratic Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz and uh, Information Technology Administrator at this particular guy's house, according to two sources with knowledge of this. Now, this guy was a longtime IT aide to the DNC chairwoman and has since desperately been trying to get these hard drives back. An individual whom the FBI investigators interviewed in the case told the Daily Caller News Foundation's investigative group and an additional source in Congress with direct knowledge of the case speaking uh, out about it. And there's a lot of sensitivity, obviously, to the probe. Confirmed the FBI has joined what Politico previously described as a Capitol Police criminal probe into serious, potentially illegal violations on the House IT network. Now, one of the things I've been saying as the fixated media goes Russia, 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 nobody in the Trump campaign that I know of signed off on on giving Vladimir Putin up to 20 percent of America's uranium. Nobody in the Trump campaign or in the in the Trump administration deleted 33,000 emails that were under subpoena. None of them destroyed Blackberries and iPhones with hammers. None of them, after years of asking, handed over to the FBI, you know, phones and Blackberries that didn't have SIM cards in them. And in this case, you know, it raises issue after issue about about obstruction of justice. Anyway, joining us to uh, help us with this is Luke Rosiak. He's been leading the investigative series, uh, and it's his article in The Daily Caller that's been getting all the attention. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Why don't you walk us through what you've been now investigating, I think, since, what, last December or so? Yeah, back in February, uh, Capitol Police announced to members of Congress that five of their IT guys were suspects in a criminal probe into breaches of security. And at that time, they were banned from the House network. Uh, And... Uh, most of the members immediately fired uh, these guys, as you would expect. Uh, but right away, something weird started to emerge because Debbie Wasserman Schultz has refused to fire this guy, Imran Awan, even though she, he's a criminal suspect in uh, basically a hacking probe. Uh, and, and this is uh, given her history at the DNC. You would think she'd be especially sensitive to that. Um, so these guys. Uh, basically, this guy Imran started working for her back in 2005, and right after that, all of his relatives started appearing on the payroll of, of members of Congress at really high salaries, like chief of staff level salaries. And they collected four million dollars in all 
even though people really never saw them around. They were said to be kind of ghost employees. Uh, so this is Imran Awan, his brothers Abid and Jamal. These are all Pakistani-born, uh, and then their wives, two of their wives. And these guys, as you would expect, they're the IT guys. They set up email for members of Congress, and when, when they did can the read. FB, when did the FBI find these smashed hard drives and... And maybe you know more than I do, but if a hard drive is smashed, could you ever put it back together? So the FBI at some point joined what was previously a Capitol Police probe uh, back in uh, March, uh, I think. Uh, uh, Speaker Paul Ryan told me that outside agencies were assisting the Capitol Police to provide technical uh, you know, expertise. Uh, and they did go into Imran's house and take these smashed hard drives. I don't know what was on them or whether they will be able to be uh, to be read. I, you know, maybe I need to get some tech people on. Doesn't that sound a little bit like Hillary Clinton and her staff using a hammer or pulling out SIM cards or using bleach pit? Sounds pretty similar to me or deleting emails like the way she did. And Imram, after he learned that, uh, so basically the, the week that this investigation was announced, right around that time, he abruptly moved out of his house, and his wife went to Pakistan. They didn't stop her because there had been no arrests in this case. They didn't take their passports or anything. And Imram moved somewhere else. I think he's still in Virginia. But he moved out of that house really abruptly, and he rented it out to someone. So this renter moved in, and he found all this government computer equipment in the garage, including these smashed hard drives. And the FBI took them from him. Uh, so Imran kept going back to this renter and saying, give me my hard drives back. And then he even threatened to sue the renter for stealing his smashed hard drives, which the renter thought was obviously extremely unusual. And and that's where we have the interview with Debbie Wasserman Schultz and and the I believe it was the Capitol Police because there's a video of it. Well, actually, that was a different laptop, and that shows you how serious this investigation is, despite it not having the same prominence as uh, these other hacking probes. Uh, that was a laptop which was confiscated by Capitol Police after it was found hidden in an abandoned house office building. Uh, and uh, the Capitol Police took it at that time, and Debbie Wasserman Schultz used a budget hearing for the Capitol Police to threaten consequences if they didn't give it back. And the police are saying, well, we need this to prove a case against uh, a suspected uh, cyber criminal. And Wasserman Schultz, nevertheless, wants to take it back from the police so they can't have it as evidence. Uh, and then what we learned just last week as well was, even though the Capitol Police do have it in their possession, they haven't looked at the hard drive uh, because of constitutional issues. The speech and debate clause, Debbie Wasserman Schultz has a lawyer who's been, um, you know, fending them off and trying to keep them from looking at it. Why is it that in my heart of hearts, I'll tell you where my suspicion goes, and tell me if you've thought about this. When I think about, all right, well, why would Debbie Wasserman Schultz want this one particular guy, and why would they have government hard drives smashed up inside of, you know, this guy's this guy's garage, and he's fighting tooth and nail to get back smashed hard drives, and the FBI comes in and seizes it, coupled with her laptop. Why do I think this is related to Bernie Sanders? Well, yeah, it is interesting because on the surface, the Democrats here, and they worked on a part-time basis for dozens of members of Congress, 
Uh, Wasserman Schultz was one of their primary benefactors as one of their oldest employers. But they worked for and had access to all the files for dozens of Democrats because they, they don't all need a full-time IT guy. Uh, and they could read everything on, you know, in all of those files. Uh, so it is unusual that Wasserman Schultz didn't say, well, I'm the victim here. Um, I, I strongly condemn this guy. I got taken advantage of by a staffer, and I want him prosecuted for, to the full extent of the law. But she hasn't even fired the guy. Well, then that raises questions. I mean, what else could they want to hide here? Why is there such an, an effort? At, like, I understand in the Clinton case, because Clinton had a private email server with top secret, classified, special access program information on it, and she put it in a, a mom-and-pop shop. I think the reason is obvious, because she wanted to circumvent congressional oversight. Then when she got caught, they started deleting the emails. Then they started smashing the other devices. But the whole argument was, well, I had the other server because I wanted everything consolidated on one device. And it turns out there's, what, as many as possibly 16 devices handing over devices without SIM cards to the FBI. You know, that to me, you know, that, that that's it's a prima facie case of obstruction of justice, no? Yeah, I mean, these guys are, uh, there's a lot of red flags in their background. They've been accused of fraud numerous times in civil lawsuits, um, which were available to members of Congress publicly at the time that they hired them. Uh, One of them had a huge, massive death while he was working for members of the Intelligence Committee, and that's always a red flag when you've got someone with sensitive information and they owe a lot of money, who knows if they might try to capitalize on that information. So I think this needs to be taken seriously as a national security issue. investigators need to examine and we don't know what we will find but we want to make sure that they um is was were these guys giving it to um foreign intelligence services were they selling it to third parties were they blackmailing members um they could also have been doing kickbacks to members they got four million dollars uh which is way more than uh an it guy would typically get and they were rarely seen they were described as ghost employees so it's possible that they were giving members uh, kickbacks. The members pay them in taxpayer money, and then they give back perhaps some of it in cash. So you got the IT guy of Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and when you actually look at some of the employees and friends, and they're getting these huge salaries, chief of staff level salaries, and they appear to be ghost employees? Right, and for example, one of them worked at McDonald's, um, and so they put him on the payroll, this guy, Raul Abbas, he was the best friend of Imran. He worked at McDonald's, his, his roommate told me he worked at McDonald's, eventually got fired from McDonald's, and then he just sat at home all day. And he was getting paid to do high, high-tech, skilled IT work for members of Congress, people like uh, Ted Deutsch and... Uh, um, Emmanuel Cleaver employed him, and they won't say whether they ever saw this guy. Well, I mean, does he have any computer skills at all if he was working at McDonald's? Uh, We can only imagine. Well, I mean, isn't that something that the FBI would have been able to find out rather quickly? Uh, Who knows? I mean, the investigators have been very secret, but members of Congress have really been very dismissive about this. You know, we ask them, and they just say, well, I don't know. You probably know as much as I do. I never gave it much thought. Uh, So that same guy, Emmanuel Cleaver, said... We asked him about, you know, email security, and he said, well, I knew my IT guy was a criminal suspect, but it never occurred to me that there could be a cybersecurity component. It's like, well, this is part of vigilance and due diligence. Why why are you not as suspicious about a Bernie Sanders issue when, in fact, 
she got fired on the eve of the Democratic National Convention as it relates to, you know, the emails that showed that the fix was in for Hillary and that the whole primary thing was rigged. Right. And I mean, if you if you search for Imram's name in WikiLeaks, you can see that Imram had the password to Debbie Wasserman Schultz's laptop and or iPad, rather. And people at the DNC didn't even have that when they wanted to get access to her iPad. They had to call Imran in. So he was very much her right hand guy for many years involving all IT issues. Um, so, you know, we just don't know. But we know that he had a tremendous amount of access to numerous members of Congress's correspondence. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be involving military secrets to be, uh, you know, compromised or something that's very valuable or embarrassing. All right. Well, we're going to continue to follow the story. Uh, i got to give you a lot of credit. You've done a lot of investigative work here. And that's Luke uh, Rosiak with us. Uh, Luke, will uh, continue to follow the story. Keep us in the loop as to any new information you get. We really appreciate it. Thanks. And we'll link that story to Hannity.com. 800-941-SEAN is our number. We'll take your calls coming up. All right, so we just heard about Debbie Wasserman Schultz. You know, this, this is not the first time that these Democrats have had problems with their IT and bleach bid and, and deleting emails and smashing Blackberries and smashing iPhones, even though they only did it for the convenience of one device. Remember that, of course. This is Search Your Memory Banks. You remember all of these instances. They all sound like obstruction of justice to me. I had... Uh not sent uh, classified material nor received anything uh, marked classified. Secretary Clinton said she never sent or received any classified information over her private email. Was that true? Our investigation found that there was classified information sent. So it was not true. That I am confident that I never sent nor received any information that was classified at the time it was sent and received. Secretary Clinton said there was nothing marked classified on her emails either sent or received. Was that true? That's not true. There were a small number of portion markings on, I think, three of the documents. I never sent um, classified uh, material on my email, and I never received any uh, that was marked classified. Secretary Clinton said, I did not email any classified material to anyone on my email. There is no classified material. Was that true? There was classified material emailed. People across the government knew that I used one device. Maybe it was uh, because I am not the most technically capable person and uh, wanted to make it as easy as possible. Secretary Clinton said she used just one device. Was that true? She used multiple devices during the four years uh, of her term as Secretary of State. But we turned over everything that was work-related, every single thing. Personal stuff, we did not. I had no obligation to do so and did not. Secretary Clinton said all work-related emails were returned to the State Department. Was that true? No, we found work-related emails, thousands, that were not returned. All I can tell you is that when my attorneys conducted this exhaustive process, I did not participate. Secretary Clinton said her lawyers read every one of the emails and were overly inclusive. Did her lawyers read the email content individually? No. You were the official in charge. Did you wipe the server? What, like with a cloth or something? I don't know. Well, do you no. know how it works digitally? Did you try to I, wipe the whole server? I don't know how it works digitally at all. I do not have any. You did not try. Now, if that's not obstruction of justice, I don't know what is. But all the media wants to talk about, all they're investigating with Republicans in charge of all these committees is Russia, Trump, Russia with no evidence. These are some of the most remarkable, inexplicable political times I've ever seen in my life. 
And my question to Republicans is, what is wrong with you people? Do you not know how to lead? Do you not know how to use the authority you've been given? We'll continue. Your calls are next. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. And uh, we'd like to thank you for joining us. Many thanks to our friends at Hillsdale College, Dr. Larry Arn, who's letting us use his studios uh, today while we are in Washington, D.C. All right, as promised, a lot of stories. We're going to get to your calls here as we get to Sam is in San Diego, California, listening to 600 Kogo Radio. What's up, uh, Sam? How are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, Sean. How are you? What's going on, uh, my friend? You know, I, I love your show. I've been listening for a couple oh, years you. now, and, I, and I've loved it. But, you know, listening lately, I feel like I'm living in, you know, spring of September t- uh, 2016. Uh, you know, we're still talking about the people who committed felonies, the people who need to, uh, you know, answer to the rule of law, law and order. You know, we're still seeing uh, President Trump pull people up on stage and use them as an example of things that we need to fix. And personally, while I love listening to your show, I'm really frustrated that nothing's happening, that we're not going after anybody. We're not keeping all these promises that so many people, including myself, got so pumped up about. You know, it's look, I'm frustrated with the Republicans. I'm frustrated with them in terms of the agenda not getting accomplished. Look at what look at the mess that health care is right now. And, you know, now we're getting down to, oh, we might get repeal light. Uh, You know, the skinny repeal bill, the skinny Obamacare repeal and replace. Another way of saying uh, we can't get the job done and we'll act like we got half of it done. I mean, it's so frustrating. And more importantly, where is with all the aggressiveness of the Democrats, where's reciprocity? Is there equal justice under the law anymore? You know, where are the investigations into Hillary's server? Where's the investigations into, you know, Hillary Uranium One? Where's the Ukrainian uh, embassy, the Ukraine trying to influence our elections and meeting with DNC operatives and passing the information on the Clinton campaign. Uh, yeah, where's the exactly. where, where's the investigation in Lynch? But, you know, Lanny Davis is right, too. I, I'd more I'd rather I, I think we should have reciprocity. I want Congress to call, call hearings. They control the subpoena power, but I want them first to get the agenda accomplished. I want them first to do their job. And that's not happening. Yeah, exactly. I feel like we're just stuck and I want to get going. And I can hardly even I can hardly even follow any of the stories anymore because I feel like we're still not working on the things that need to get done. So thanks for taking my call. It just is no, listen, I, to you, but boy, it's frustrating. I'm going to keep fighting and I'm hoping for breakthroughs. That's why I'm, I'm hitting as hard as I possibly can. I'm 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 hitting it on radio and TV every day for them to do their job. We're trying to hold them accountable. And I share your frustration. It is uh, not something I expected to deal with. All right, listening in London and England, Amy is standing by. Amy, hi, how are you? And we're glad you're listening in London. Welcome to the program. Oh, Sean, thank you so much for taking my call. It's uh, it's a privilege to be able to speak to you. Well, thank you. Do I've you listen online or to you for a couple of years now, at least? Do you and, like when um, we have Katie Hopkins on? Yes, I love it. I love when Katie's on. Yeah, she's, she's uh, one of my favourites. As is Nigel, Nigel Farage. The two wow. uh, lone voices over here. It is. It's terrible, Sean. I, I, I feel like again, like it's Groundhog Day, but in a bad way because um, you know I voted Brexit, and a year later it's still uh, dragging on, and now, you know, with over there with the with the Congress, you know, because of YouTube, I can watch it, and I have been glued to it with the hearings with Trey Gowdy, with Jason Chavez, and you know, listening to Lynch and and uh, all those people and Clinton. And they, 
you know, you don't even have to, to say um, a question. You don't have to hesitate in whether they lied or not because they know they did, as, as did Comey. And yet, despite all of this, all the obvious um, criminal activity, we're talking about Russia again, still. And, and there's no proof of anything. No evidence, no proof. Far more evidence of Hillary collusion with Russia far more evidence of democratic collusion with Ukraine and far more evidence of obstruction with them. And here we are. That, and and in, Republicans you know are... What, are Sean, it's, I think the, the media have too much power because the, the power of the media controls the narrative and whoever's controlling the media is controlling the narrative. And, you know, obviously here it seems as though the BBC, which I used to respect once upon a time, it seems as though they get their feed directly from the CNN, Clinton News Network, hence, you know, Criminal News Network, whatever it is. And obviously there people get to listen to you and obviously with, you know, talk radio and everything, which is fantastic. But over here, I, it, we're really on an island. And all that people here hear... Is the negative about President Trump. Nobody's hearing anything about the great things that he's achieving. They're just hearing Russia, collusion, Russia, oh, you know, is he going to be impeached? What are people in the U.K. saying about it? Honestly, Sean, if it, it, the people who do, actually, the Brexit people love Trump. The Ramonas were for her. And obviously the, the media are for her. And What's so um, strange is if I go into the street, and I, if I mention President Trump's name, I either get an eye roll or, oh, you know, what an awful, oh, terrible, he's a, you know, just the, the, the same old insults that he's been getting about, it's just, it's really sad, Sean. And, and I personally, I was, I was so looking forward to seeing President Trump come here and, but, because of all the left and the Antifa and the, the narrative is so negative that he's, he's not coming. And it's not anything to do with his ego. I know that. I know it's nothing to do with his ego whatsoever. It's because he doesn't want to have any violence on his account. Mm. It's not his fault. And it's, mm -hmm. it's just sad, Sean. I will say this. It is sad for the American people that went to the ballot box. It's sad that we now have to refight this election. It's sad that... that there are different forces for different agendas that want to take away what the American people desire. Um, and unfortunately, it means that people are going to have to roll up their sleeves and, and get back in the trenches and start fighting for what they want because it's the, this, these people are not going to go away on their own. Well, you know, I'm, I'm actually American, Sean. I know I don't sound very American, but yeah. I'm, I'm, so, I'm like President Trump. I've got a British mother and a, an American father, and I was born over there. So my heart is, is huge. I'm a gigantic patriot. And I flew over there for the election. I went you know, to Florida and I voted for him, obviously. And I, after all the stress and trauma of the Obama years and the Clinton and the Benghazi and the, you know, all of the corruption that was so openly going on and nothing was being done, I thought, finally, yes, you know, we've got President Trump and he's going to be able to put, you know, an attorney general and, he, and they're going to go after all this crime. And it's like, no, no, it's not happened. Jeff, uh, you know, Jeff Sessions is a lovely looking man and he sounds lovely. But, and I hate to say it, but he's, he's almost he's about as useful as a chocolate teapot when it comes to taking care of the corruption. But... 
again, you know, the forces against President Trump, the dark side, is so powerful that I think that everybody's intimidated. Or they, you know, it's it's the the it's just so we we need to do something, Sean. You we know, need something big. I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm going to say this. It's almost like I wish President Trump could do an Erdogan and just just shut down CNN because they're not news. They're just well, a corrupt. I, 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 Network. I, I, listen. That, that yeah, is so uh, horrible to hear. And when I hear the, the Congress, we, when I hear the, the hearings, and I hear them, you know, the grilling that the, the, the cabinet people went through was outrageous, outrageous. And it seemed just, it was embarrassing, actually, to hear the way they spoke to them, as if President Trump is the enemy, and how don't you dare suggest you're going to be loyal to him, because if you do, then, you know, we're not going to approve you. And it's like, wait a minute. These are people who are going to be working with and for the president. The president is the boss. And Mm -hmm. nobody's – they're still treating President Trump as the businessman, the upstart, the the TV star, and it's just just disgusting, Sean. I feel sick. You know, I feel sick about it. I got to tell you, you know, there's a certain innocence in your objectivity, and there's a certain – I guess a certain truth that you're seeing that maybe people can't see because we're too close to it. But everything that you're saying, I believe to be true. Everything that you are saying is happening. Everything that, unfortunately, the undermining is real. It's it's the five forces that I've identified on this program, including Republicans, including never Trumpers, including the, the, the media, obviously, including the deep state. They're all out there. They're all Democrats, obviously, too. And it's, you know, combined, it is becoming almost ungovernable for the president right now. And I got to tell you something, they better get their act together. Because if they don't, nothing's going to get accomplished. And all of those people, the Republican Party that's being so weak and visionless and spineless, and they're not fighting back. I saw Senator Grassley asking the DOJ to investigate Democratic collusion with Ukrainian officials. Finally, Senator Grassley's fighting back. Well, why are we waiting to the, the last minute to get to this point? The answer is the agenda. The answer are jobs. The answer is energy independence. The answer is the wall. The answer is repealing, replacing. The answer is keeping the promises. You do that, and America's going to be better off. Amy, thank you. Appreciate your call. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. Let's say hi to Barrett in Seattle and Washington. What's up, Barrett? How are you? We're glad you called. Good. Uh, just, Sean, I'm really nervous right now about whole se- about the whole Sessions thing. Um, you know, I think if he gets rid of him, I don't know if we're going to get, like, the kind of person we want for immigration. Um, I'm very worried about that. For, second of all, I'm really worried about taxes right now. It's like, I need help with my taxes. I haven't had a day off since June 12th. Um, you know, I work every day so I can just put food on my table and, like, put a roof over my head and with all these distractions going on, it's just killing me right now, Sean. And then second of all, you know, I'm thinking this is a great time. I really want to see Laura Ingram in the White House. You want to see Laura Ingram in there? Oh, yeah. All right, I'll tell her you said that, and she's going to hate you for saying it. I just want you to know. <laughs> but listen, it's a big sacrifice. People don't really realize. I do realize because I know a lot of the people that have gone there. And I know people think, well, it's so prestigious. It's so wonderful. It's such a great job. Really, do you want to be Sean Spicer, who served his country and, and put up with the crap the media dealt to him every day and the contentious relationship that, that developed there? Do you, want to, do you want to really, 
you know, be hiring lawyers and spending thousands and thousands of dollars per hour to, to pay these guys because of these ridiculous investigations of people on the left. It's a these are these are troubling times. But this is how the Democratic Party works. This is how they roll. And that's a problem. Uh, anyway, appreciate the call, Barrett. Thank you. Biloxi, Mississippi. We got Will is standing by. Will, how are you? We're glad you called. Good, Sean. How are you this afternoon? I'm good, sir. What's going on? Not much. Hey, look, I, I wanted to run a couple of ideas by you. One of them being is, you know, it seems with the whole Russian web of deceit, uh, right, I, I can count up to eight different narratives that we've had. Uh, the last narrative being now that Adam Schiff is saying that Trump is a money launderer. Right. right. Well, with every change of the narrative, to me, it seems that it debunks the narrative that came before it. Right. So what I guess I'm trying to say is now we've thrown that I can count eight different balls at this whole made up thing and nothing has stuck. How many balls are we going to continue to allow them to throw? And mm-hmm. I guess what really scares me, Sean, is it's, it's, it's the deceit that the Democrats are doing right now is everything that they accuse us of doing. Like you said on your show last night, they're the ones who are actually doing it. And it's amazed me that we are just now catching up to it. It's not the collusion. It's the cover-up. It's the diversion. You know, it's the... Well, I don't know. Well, what's you know, the cover-up cover cover of what, though? Of the emails, the destruction well, of the phones and the tablets. And I mean, the yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's what we ought to be looking into, and that's what we don't look into, and that's what frustrates me. You know what I mean? I mean, well, the fact, the fact it, that we have... It is frustrating. Yeah, it is frustrating. Um, and look, I, I've got to tell you something. I don't it's the deceit by the Democrats. I, you know, as I said, he'll, the Trump campaign, the Trump administration has never, ever, ever, you know, ever given anybody deleted any emails. They never, ever that I know of smashed any Blackberries or iPhones. They never used bleach bit. They never sa- signed off on giving Vladimir all of the uranium, this, or up to 20% of the uranium, the foundational materials of nuclear weapons. They never did any of the above. And the, the intensity and the double standard and the corruption and the lying, it's, it's mind-boggling to me. And to feel that you're the only voice at times, that, you know, I know the American people feel this way, but at least in the media, it's, it's beyond anything I've ever seen in my life. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. All right, quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue. Straight ahead, it's the Sean Hannity Show. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. All right, Republicans, health care, motion to proceed. Can they get it done? What the president is upset with Jeff Sessions about and how is that going to all end up? The media corruption and Republican weakness. And also, does Mueller need to go? Also, we'll have the latest on the deep state. How is it possible the continued leaking that comes in almost on a daily basis? We'll have an in-depth investigation tonight. Hannity, 10 Eastern. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. Now, the same Hollywood that sold the American dream. 
They are now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Now you can join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in the Hollywood Takeover brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some of the major studios. Now don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the Burner Less Lethal Pistol Launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that can be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. 